welcome back to Victoria on Relay FM. I'm Quinn Rose, and I didn't go to art school, but I still love to learn about art. And I'm Betty. I also didn't go to art school, but I still love to learn about art every day as well. Today, we are doing another kind of like general theme, looking at a lot of different kinds of artwork episode. Um, And the theme for today is unfinished works. So I wanted to start just by asking you, like, do you have any experience with unfinished artworks or thoughts or anything like that? I do have experience with unfinished artworks, especially, apparently, a painting that I tried, I started doing back in 2007 and um, is still not finished. (laughs) Oh, well, that's exciting. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at this point, I don't know if it'll ever be finished. And the only reason I remember this or I was reminded of this was when my parents were moving 11 years ago so at this point like it had been maybe I don't know like six years or something like that since I haven't finished that particular painting and my dad was like are you gonna finish this or because we're throwing things out and I was like oh yeah definitely and he was like okay I guess we'll like do you want it I'm like no no just keep it at your so again I started painting this when I was still living with my parents in high school so <laughs> and so he was just like okay we'll keep it around for you and then from then on every few years he was like that painting it's still sitting in the basement (laughs) and at this point it's just like a internal family meme that betty has a painting that she will never finish (laughs) well you should tell him that you can make it into the net for that so (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly well this is so in 2016, the Met held an exhibit called Unfinished Thoughts Left Visible, which is not actually the direct inspiration for me wanting to talk about this. I want to talk about this uh, just as a general concept because I thought it was interesting. And then I, when I was Googling it, I found this exhibit from the Met, which was really helpful because the Met had gathered like 200 different pieces from artists throughout history that were unfinished, which was very helpful in getting some examples together. <laughs> That's great. Wasn't one of the Mondrian pieces we talked about unfinished? I couldn't, I can't remember, but I think I remember something about that. Um, so, and and I think like, yeah, it, there's probably a lot of artworks that are actually unfinished and some we might be aware of that it's unfinished and some we might not be. That is a really interesting feature of this because I think especially in the case where the artist has passed away, Um, while working on like multiple pieces of work sometimes it's unclear whether they intended for something to be finished or not and it might be presented as like oh this is the completed works of blah 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 Um, when it's not like oh half a canvas is left undone or something like that sometimes it's a lot more subtle where it's like it's done but maybe it's not fully finished there's actually an example of this that isn't like one of my main examples that I'm talking about today, but is just a thing that I know about in life, um, which is the musical Rent, um, because the creator, the writer of Rent, Jonathan Larson, passed away the either the day of or the day before the first preview, um, which meant that it was a complete show, but 
shows that go into previews, generally there's a lot of rewriting that goes on. Things will be reworked, things will be cut, new songs will be written. Like lots and lots can change between the first production of a show and when it opens on Broadway, which is when it's generally considered like quote unquote finished. And so, but Rent was frozen in time at that point. Um, so like the even though that is a show that like again could be considered finished and like potentially lots of different artworks like that could be considered finished uh out there in the world right now that's not necessarily what the work would have been as a complete work had the author or creator of it survived that's really interesting you know what actually that reminds me of another artwork i'll let you actually talk about the unfinished artwork that you have been um looking into in a moment but what you said just reminded me of last week i think i brought up um, Robert Smithson's um, Spyro Jetty. But um, one of the pieces of, that he did I didn't talk about is this work he did called um, uh, Amarillo Ramp, which was actually the artwork that resulted in his death when he was surveying the site. He The plane crashed and he died. But and then so he didn't actually make he he had planned out the whole work and it ended up getting carried out by his widow and a few other artists. Um, so it's another instance where it was technically done because it has like he had it all worked out, but it, he he wasn't the one who eventually built it. And he always had help building like these giant landscape art anyway. Um, so you could argue like, you know, it, it you know, it was just that he didn't happen to participate in the building. But um, yeah, so I, in, in a way, it is kind of an unfinished artwork, even though it was eventually finished by someone else. Yeah, that, I think that's part of the thing that I want to talk about today is that these lines are so blurred between finished and unfinished and the different meanings that those have, because in the case of the death of a creator there still can be these blurry lines but oftentimes it's like oh, okay like someone has died and this is what they were working on in the middle of that and we can kind of like draw a line there but then sometimes people just leave things unfinished and then it's it, it gets very messy in that way as well it's like okay what was the purpose of this what was it just something that they abandoned but if it was something that they abandoned like why did they keep this this canvas or sculpture or whatever that was unfinished did they intend to go back and finish it eventually or was it an just something that they didn't think was worth it. Uh, there's so many different ways that unfinished art can exist. Let's look at some of these blurry lines. Let's do it. I'm going to start with a few examples from the Met exhibit because I, I really like the tagline of the Met exhibit, Thoughts Left Visible, because I do think that is a very large part of this, which is that these, when art is finished, it is a complete thought, so to say. Um, and you while there are still so many different ways you can interpret and experience a finished piece of art there does tend to be either an intended meaning or like an intended way for you to experience that and draw your own meaning whereas when things are unfinished and perhaps unintended to be for public consumption it is like someone is in the middle of a thought and they haven't quite crystallized it yet um, and so I have a few different ex just a couple of examples from directly from the Met exhibit here that I think shows different ways uh, that that can be expressed. Um, so I just sent a couple links to you. And if you want to just open those up and maybe like compare and talk about what you're seeing here. Yeah, sure. So um, these are two paintings that look very similar in composition and 
uh, texture, I guess. Um, I actually don't know which one I clicked on first, but the first page that opened, um, it's a, uh, so the title is there, it's called Man on a Rope. So it looks like a figure of a man grabbing a rope, maybe climbing up a wall. And there seems to be like a wall behind him. And I'm kind of saying this vaguely because this looks very sketchy and unfinished. You can't really see the man's face. A lot of parts of the painting are these like smears of paint um, or like it almost actually looks like it's deteriorated and scraped off. Um, It looks like that painting that that person of Jesus that they tried to fix, but pre-fixing. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, um, and so then the second one uh, is looks more finished um, because there's less smears of paint. More of more paints are filled. There seems to be a bit more color. Like there's some blue in the background, um, and then you still can't see the man's face, and, and it's still quite like abstracted it seems like it's 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 very like figurative and the man's face is just kind of like a blur of paint as well so one could say neither of these look finished um but to me the second one that i described i guess looks more finished than the first the reason why i liked this one so much is because it shows a process that is still in process from having two different versions of the same thing um and it's so funny because it's it's not one draft that has been altered over time. Like these are two separate canvases, but they are so clearly the same image that has just been um, reworked uh, into different, oh, just like a different style, a different color palette. Um, there's also in the description of this, it says that like in one of these canvases, you can actually see that there was a different work underneath this one. And that's always a f- fun part of this as well that I haven't even brought up yet is the the concept of like the works underneath other paintings. Like there are s- canvases are expensive um, and they were even more expensive like in other periods of history. And so it was not uncommon for people to paint over works with new ones. Um, but sometimes the, you can remove the top layer and find a completely different, like co- totally finished painting in some cases underneath. Um, and so this is a case where that we do have that layering as well. Yeah, it, it looks like on the description these were these two were done at different times. Um, I think it said one was done in apparently Ottawa and the, the other one was done in Boston. So I'm assuming this artist was just like, I'm gonna finish this when I get to the next place, or oh no, I'm gonna paint another version. Um, and one they just felt more attached to maybe. <laughs> Well, that's a funny thing because with these multiple versions from different locations, different times that he made, you would think that like, okay, and then there's a finished version of this somewhere, right? And it's like, no. Uh, Because part (laughs) of this was also that this artist, uh, Damier, was actually more of a printmaker. Like he really wasn't known as a painter. So these were very like private works that he was just making, possibly even just as an art exercise, and then ended up just going and a very different direction most of his the production that he made was actually like a completely different type of mm. art making yeah that's interesting because if i'm <clears throat> conjecturing this uh, correctly a lot of printmakers like they'll have or i mean a lot of painters or just artists in general they'll have sketches that that they do in preparation for like either a larger work or a more finished work so 
there they could be like studies that he was doing for something else that he may or may not have been planning so yeah like these may have just been like thoughts like literally like you said before that he was having for something else that he was planning that was never meant for someone to see yes and there's a whole angle of this as well as like should we even be looking at this stuff? It's with like the um Saturn devouring his son that we talked about, which were works that Goya painted in his own home and never intended to be public consumption. And now it's so popular. It's a meme. <laughs> yeah. That was a little rough. No, that's for sure. Um, I mean, this kind of, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk more about this, but it's interesting because when I, um, <clears throat> I've, you know, had a few jobs in my life and had a few interviews with potential employers. And actually, since the beginning, um, I've had like almost every single time, or I think one of my first interviews, I did bring some of my like really rough sketches. I mean, like this was what I did back in school the first time. And I thought they were really terrible. But I remember the first guy that interviewed me, he was so happy to see sketches. So since then, I've brought it to almost every interview. And every single time, the people who are interviewing me <clears throat> would be like, wow, like, I'm so happy to see this. I almost always just see like somebody's finished like design. And I, I prefer to see that, of course, or I like to see that, but I prefer to see actually your thought process and how you got there. Even if your sketches aren't like the best looking, um, they really appreciate it. And I've gotten a lot of jobs I went to interviews for, so I'm assuming those <laughs> they, those uh, tactics went well. So I think in a way, even though we say, yeah, maybe these aren't meant for other people to see, and in a way, I was sometimes also embarrassed to show some of my early sketches that really I didn't think anyone would see, um, but I think there's there's some quality to like rough sketches that people really like. I totally agree. I actually want to put a pin in that thought that people love rough, rough sketches and come back to it at the end of the episode. Um, but I do want to move on a little bit uh, to talk about a few more. So here is uh, my last example that's from that Met exhibit. This is a artwork called The Hand of God, and... It looks like it's uh, some rock material. I'm thinking maybe marble because it's white uh, with some striations in it. And it looks like there's two, I want to say two hands, one hand. Um, There's at least a hand that is holding something else that may be another hand, I want to say, because I think I see some fingers. And this reminds me of the creation of Adam by Michelangelo. It's just instead of the two hands coming together from either side, it's it's like a 3D version maybe, but in a different perspective. Um, And then at the bottom of the, the, one of the hands is a giant, block of rock that looks like it's really rough so maybe the person was in the middle of carving this and I'm actually glad that this that you brought this up because one of the people I actually thought about was Auguste Rodin we we had like so many Rodin pieces at the AGO and I think a lot of other galleries do as well and I've had conversations with visitors and other gallery guides about like just his work in general and also the rough and sometimes seemingly un- seemingly unfinished qualities of them. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I really like them. Yeah, there are a couple different Rodin pieces in this exhibit itself. And it's such a fascinating thing for sculpture, especially to be left unfinished, because I think that 
in sculpture, it's very stark um, because some parts of the marble are carved and some parts are not. But I love this example in particular because it is called the hand of God. And you have this sculpture with like this, you know, this giant hand in it relative to the size of these little people that have been carved in it, but not quite finished being carved, um, who are supposed to be Adam and Eve. Um, it, it's it's hard to imagine this being any more metaphorically resonant um, in, in its unfinished state, because if we're talking about the concept of God and Adam and Eve, like that is the creation myth of literally like the hand of God creating the world. And we're seeing a representation of that that is still in process and incomplete, um, which is pretty cool. Like I, I, <laughs> yeah. in my head, I'm like, I feel like this is a finished work in itself because that is such an interesting idea. Well, yeah, I, I think something about these types of works, especially this one is there is a sense of like motion in it. It looks because it's, you know, you, you are seeing something that seems to be like it's been in the middle of being worked. Um, and it's so rough in terms of quality. It's almost like a motion blur. And you can, it's more dynamic than if there's something that's really crisp and finished. And I'm right now in my, in my, studio class I'm trying to depict something in 2D that represents time which is really difficult but also really fun at the same time because you know you're you're you have something static and you're trying to you're trying to like um, insinuate that something is happening over a period of time and you can't just throw motion blurs everywhere obviously um, so but but I think that's really fun because we, we're not normally used to seeing um, like change in something that's static i love this idea of it being in motion because sculpture feels like the kind of thing that should be the least mm -hmm. in motion possible <laughs> yeah. um but it is like you can almost imagine that he's just going to come right back around the corner and keep working on it um in a literal hand of god to this sculpture i'm not sure if there were uh, pieces in this particular exhibition that were bronze but we have we had a lot of works at the ago that were uh, bronze uh, casts of Rodin works, but a lot of those were actually also cast after his death by like his family or students. And I think similar to what we were talking about before, there's also some debate amongst various people whether that should be done because it's like, well, did did he give you permission to cast that? Because I, I don't think he did, and we don't know. Did he want that? Maybe, maybe not. That is very interesting as well. <laughs> Well, I want to move on to a piece that is a little different than a lot of what we've talked about today, but I just couldn't do this topic without touching on it. Um, so take a look at this one. So this looks like a, a square canvas that has a uh, top left corner. It looks like it's started to be painted. It's purple with black, um, crisp thick black lines and then white squiggly lines uh, it within these black lines. And so it definitely looks like only this top left corner has been uh, painted. Oh, sorry. It definitely looks like there was intention to have the entire uh, canvas painted because it's not where it stopped is not crisp. It's a bunch of like jagged lines and there's looks like there's 
the purple paint is dripping down the canvas. Is this by any chance a Keith Haring? It is, in fact, a Keith Haring. And um, I said this is a little different than the rest of them. This is actually a finished painting. Oh, wow. Okay. But it is titled Unfinished Painting. (laughs) That's great. Of course it is. Yeah, so we've done a whole episode about Keith Haring, um, and so I'm sure it will not come to any surprise to you that this is uh, one of the last works that Keith Haring completed, um, and it uh, I saw some some sources identify it as a self-portrait, um, but regardless if it is specifically a self-portrait or not, it is the idea of works left unfinished um, for a life cut short, um, in Haring's case, a life cut short by AIDS. Yeah, I mean, this, of course, metaphorically does make sense because so presumably or definitely at this point, Herring was aware that his time was going to end. And so it's almost like intentionally leaving this unfinished is symbolizing that, yeah, his his life was cut short and is in a way you can consider unfinished, but it came to an end and 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 he was aware that it was going to happen so in a way this is a painting where it there's so much more to be done but it was intentionally left this way i mean yeah that's very powerful and it's in a way it's almost like the opposite of the ones we've looked at where it's like the the artists were probably meant to continue but then didn't this one he maybe would have continued if he knew he had more time it's sort of the reverse of the thoughts left visible. Um, like this is not a, like someone in mid thought. This is a complete thought, but the thought that is being expressed is about the loss of art and the loss of life. Because um, obviously, like, and when you think about it a little bit, you're like, oh yeah, this isn't what a herring piece would look like if it was left unfinished, because it's not like it's just got a layer of one one layer of paint on it or it's got like it's just the sketch or whatever no it's like a completely finished work for one quarter of the page that looks like it's been jaggedly like torn out of something else you have this all this paint dripping down from it that i think the paint dripping more than anything gives it such an emotional layer to it because it doesn't feel like something that is in the middle of being painted it feels like something that something terrible has happened here and has been left behind you have and then it is given it time for all this paint to drip down and i mean it it does also kind of call to mind the idea of like blood running down um, because it has that same visual quality to it this piece just makes me intensely sad um (laughs) yeah that's why i'm like i have no words (laughs) so because my i just have thoughts that are sad (laughs) And again, yeah, it doesn't exactly fit in with the rest of the works that we're looking at because it is not something that was unintentionally left undone. It was created this way intentionally. Um, but again, I just like simply could not touch on this topic without bringing it up at least once. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, but that will lead us into another piece, which is so ungodly sad. Um, and this is the piece that inspired me to do this episode in the first place um i'm gonna send it to you now and i'll be very curious to know uh, if you have seen this before i feel like this looks very familiar but i do not know what it is um it looks like uh so it's a painting in a gold frame and there is um 
a big white blob that for the top two thirds of the painting that has a center that is red and orange blurred as well. Um, underneath this blur is like our, our is it fades to black, and then there's a smaller white blob that looks kind of like a hand, but it's but it's very abstract, so I'm not totally sure. Um, and then there looks, seems to be some some like undulation in the black paint part as well. Yeah. So I actually, the, for the long time after I saw this, I could not figure out, my brain could not wrap myself around like the representational aspect of it at all. Um, and the only thing that actually got me to see what this painting is actually trying to depict um, was, funnily enough, an episode of Accession, um, that was made by TH Ponders, friend of the show. <laughs> Shout out Ponders. <laughs> um, yeah, Ponders. <laughs> but uh, so the episode about this is actually what helped me see um, the representation in this because, I mean, it is unfinished, so it is not quite clear what is going on. So that shape that looks like a hand is actually the body of a woman who is sort of bent into herself. Um, and then it's, you can't, it's just the back of her head with her hair and it flows into the darkness um, and then there's the red and orange is kind of coming out from behind her head. I, okay, I think I see it now. Yeah. So I literally, for years, I looked at this painting and didn't see the representational aspect of it. Um, and then I uh, listened to that episode and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. And you, then you said you think maybe you've seen this before, but you can't quite place it. Yeah, I mean, I, I it it looks very abstract, so I feel like maybe I've just seen abstractions like this and think it looks similar. But um, yeah, I'm I'm not totally sure. Yeah, well, the reason why I asked um, if you may have seen this before is because this actually went quite viral, um, and that is how I saw it. Is I saw it on social media, and the the post that went viral was just pictures of the painting and the description of it um, from the exhibit that it was um, in at the time, um, which is called Theater of Operations. The Gulf War is 1991 to 2011, um, which was a 2019 to, through 2020 exhibit um, at the MoMA PS1. I'll send you sort of the social media post. And if you want to just read the description of the painting for everyone. So it says, born in Baghdad, Leila Alatar was one of the first female graduates of its Institute of Fine Arts, going on to become a well-known painter and the director of the Iraqi National Art Museum, often often depicting nude figures with primordial landscapes. Her surreal works harken back to origin stories such as the Epic of Gilgamesh and the Garden of Eden, painted in 1993. This unfinished work is among the very last she undertook before being able to complete it. She was killed at a home in a missile attack ordered by President Bill Clinton. I think that the enormity of the tragedy in this painting is hard to overstate. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, ever since I saw this original post, this this has haunted me for years. <laughs> Again, like, knowing the context that this was something that she was working on very shortly before she was killed, um, but then also having this figurative nature of a woman and her head going down into the canvas and this red glow behind it, like, it's almost like this painting symbolizes what happened to her or or at least or there's some 
allusion to it. Um, but then like knowing what happened um, is, yeah, like it, it puts it in like an even more like almost like, I don't know, like deeper emotional turmoil in a way. Yeah, it is. There's something eerie about the fact that this piece does seem to represent her death, um, even in advance of it. But I guess it is not that surprising because like, like she was experiencing this war. She was experiencing the tragedy and the hardship and the injustice of it, um, as well as the fact that like she was a trailblazing Iraqi artist um, who like as this, as this piece says, like she was one of the first uh, female graduates of the Academy of Fine Arts in Baghdad. Um, so like she was breaking barriers um, in her country and like creating a, a better path for female artists. And then like in the middle midst of all this, like she is murdered. And uh, to provide a little context on the missile strike, um, there was an Iraqi intelligence building that was close by to her house. Um, there were 24 rockets that were fired on it um, in a strike ordered by Clinton. Um, and then two misfired and hit her house, killing her and blinding her daughter. Um, there are rumors that this was an intentional misfire. And the reason for that is because she created or she designed a mosaic of President George H.W. Bush that was laid into the floor of the entrance to a hotel that was very popular uh, with foreigners. So basically like any American or any like person who wasn't Iraqi who was like staying in Baghdad would be like probably staying in this hotel and then they were like walking over his face. Um, and so this made her not a very popular person Um in the United States, like from the United States government. Um, and so this isn't something that we are able to prove one way or the other. Like this is an allegation. Um, but yeah, um, regardless of whether it was an intentional or not, um, the fact that a missile strike murdered this innocent woman and murdered many other people in Iraq over the years is obviously like a horrendously tragic injustice and a war crime. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's like works like this that like reminds you, even though like it's obvious that there's are so many innocent people who, who are killed like in war and in, in, in these injustices. Um, but I think this reminds you that this happens and and i think like unfortunately there are so many other people who were killed who didn't wasn't in the middle of doing um an unfinished or doing a painting that later became known on the internet that we just don't know about and like it, it's yeah so it, it just it reminds you of like for me like i think it's 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 such a tragedy to hear about her story but it's just like how many more stories like this are there out there we just don't happen to have an unfinished painting that reminds us of that exactly like everyone out there whose life is cut short like has a full life of like love and creation um, and so much opportunity and possibility inside of them. And only a few of them do we actually have 
these representations of what was lost, like in this case. Um, but in one way, like this painting is just one piece of representation for so many people who were lost in the Gulf War. Um, or like in another way, just one piece of representation for millions of people who have been lost in similarly like unjust wars and disease, et cetera. Oh, yeah. Mm. Aren't you glad I brought this really light and fun topic to the show? <laughs> oh, definitely. Totally. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, these like Mondrians that were finished, we're not so sure. But no, th- actually, thank you for bringing these up because I feel like I, you don't normally hear about this type of work when you're thinking about unfinished work. And it's it's very important that we talk about it. Yeah, I think that there's a, a combination of unfinished work that is left unfinished by the creator for either a specific purpose or a purpose that is unclear to us. And then there is work that is cut short um, through typically some kind of either violence or disease um, in a way that the creator was not able to um, fully anticipate. And with all these cases, we are left with like we as present people who are looking at the artwork today to consider both their original intentions and also how the meaning of their work has changed uh, after it has been left unfinished. Yeah, I think this is very similar to other types of works where an artist might have and some some of the finished ones where an artist might have had something that they wanted to convey or or not, but we bring our own meaning to it due to whether our own life experience or other contexts that the artwork is a part of and it it's like it's transformed over time and um i don't know i didn't know if you were going to come back to or to this thought from before which is like yeah should we be looking at some of these and um i i think i've said a bunch of times on the show that an artwork is not really it's not really like an artwork in in a sense that is I guess in a way, it's not really complete um, without the viewer. So if it was just the artist who created something, then that's something very different. So since the viewer is a part of the experience, I feel like we shouldn't have to always uh, or even at all (laughs) um, abide by what the artist's original intention was. And if their original intention was that nobody should see them, it's not nece- that doesn't necessarily mean nobody should see them. Yeah, I think that is definitely a very nuanced question um, that sometimes is like a case by case difference between uh, what like should and should not be seen according to the to the artist's wishes. But I feel like there's, there's been a, like that is related to a lot of different things that I think have been thrown around in this episode that I want to end our conversation on touching on this um, is this idea of like author's original intent um, and your your sketches and works that are um, unfinished and we'll never know what the intention behind them was is not to beat a dead horse but I do want to talk about AI just a little bit says this is I think that we are reaching a point in the world with technology where we can finish unfinished things with people who who have a sort of a large output of work whatever that work is um, technology is reaching this point in machine learning where we can put in their work 
and put in an unfinished work and ask that machine to finish it and get some kind of approximation of what maybe it would have been had that person be able to finish it. And I hate that idea. (laughs) Yeah, I, you know, as soon as you started saying it, I had the same thought. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, you're right. And this sounds terrible. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think this is going to be a controversial take to anyone listening to this show. Like, I think (laughs) that we all can recognize that that sucks, right? But I think that like, when it becomes a specific example for it, it might be a little harder. Because like, I mean, I guess I'll I really didn't intend to talk about Rent on this episode, but I guess I go back to Rent. Um, and Jonathan Larson wasn't that uh, prolific of a writer because unfortunately he passed away very young, but he did like have a few shows that he created. Um, and like Rent is a show that like has a deep personal meaning to me. And so it would be cool. It would be great to see what Rent would be if he had been able to finish it. Um, and I think that like a lot of people have similar things like that where they, they have an artist or a writer, creator, any kind, that it would mean a lot to be able to see a complete work from them and what they would have been. And it, and at one point I can see where the line is blurry. It's like, oh, we're not creating something totally new. It's like this is what they would have done if they had just had six months more or whatever. But I... I think I'm like challenging that right now because I still think that sucks. And I still think that like, even though there's an innately human part of ourself that completely innocently, like would the instinct is there to be like, Oh, well like that, that would be okay. Right. Like just to see that. I still think that we need to actively think about that and actively resist that idea because that is false. That is not a true representation of that person. And whether or not that person like there are some people who like are out here and they would be like that rules like sure like make stuff out of me after I die or whatever (laughs) and that is a bridge we'll cross when we come to it but I still think fundamentally uh it's disrespectful um to people especially if they have not given explicit permission which is virtually everyone at this point um and yeah, I'm just saying a lot of words because it's such a creepy idea, but I also understand so much why people would think it was a good idea. And I think that it is going to become a very active concern in the next few years. Yeah, it just it's it sounds so creepy. And like I it reminds me of um like not even art at this point, but probably like sci-fis I've seen. But I feel like it's on a similar level of like, okay, if we are at a point where we can like artificially revive somebody because we have AI that can tap into their memories and who they were as a person and recreate and regenerate them so that you can talk to them. I'm sure so many people would be like, oh, I would love to be able to like, you know, talk to a dead loved one and it might be able to console them but no like that is that is so not okay and and like I don't even know I can't even say the reason other than just don't do that we have really nuanced takes here (laughs) yeah just don't like this will end badly I have every single sci-fi I have seen that has this premise it does not go well Okay, well, we've said a lot of things today, and I think we are done now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Have you noticed that as the show gets towards its wrap date, I have given up on segues? (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, but you know, I think we we our segues could just be so next. <laughs> Speaking of our wrap day, um, we are still inviting people to email us at pictorialpod at gmail.com uh, to send us their favorite artworks or episodes um, from the course of this show because we will be having sort of a general wrap-up MVP episode for our final episode in December. Um, so email us uh, with that fun stuff and we will make sure to include it and include your name and pronouns if you want to be uh, if you want to get a shout out on the episode as well. In the meantime, you can find the show notes for this episode at relay.fm slash pictorial. And you can find us on Instagram at pictorial pod. Um, I am also on Instagram at Quinster Rose. And I'm on Instagram at articulations V. I'm also on YouTube as articulations. And speaking of YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, Pictorial Podcast, where we have video versions of our older audio episodes. It's entirely possible if you're watching this on YouTube, uh, the show may have already ended, but the video episodes are still coming out. So, oh my enjoy. God, it's happening already. The works are coming out, even. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening, art enthusiasts.